I'm Dan Carell, CEO of the Digital Commerce Alliance, and this is Commerce Code, a weekly digital commerce podcast for leaders in card linking, loyalty and digital marketing, mobile wallets and payments, and financial data. Thanks for joining this running conversation with leaders in the industry. And if this podcast is helpful to you, come join us at the Digital Commerce Alliance. You can learn more at www.digcomall.org. This week, Dan is talking with Silvio Tavares, the CEO of VantageScore. Dan and Silvio had a wide-ranging conversation about the economy, consumer credit, vulnerable consumer segments, financial and technological innovation, and the economy in 2023. Before we get to that interview, we'll dig into four of the big stories in digital commerce from the last week. First, Canadians may soon see extra charges on their credit card bills. Second, Shares of big tech stocks fall after Alphabet reports slowdown. Third, the pandemic is now endemic and inflation is top of mind. Fourth, 20% of affluent Gen Zers are now Hispanic. All that's ahead. And of course, the main event, Dan's conversation with Silvio Tavares of VantageScore. Commerce Code is brought to you in part by VantageScore. Nine of the top 10 banks and over 3,000 leading banks and fintechs use VantageScore to predict and manage repayment risk. Learn more about the latest advances in credit scoring and how to grow your lending business by leveraging financial inclusion at VantageScore.com. Canadians may soon see extra charges popping up on their credit card bills. Businesses in Canada can now add a surcharge on transactions paid for by credit card. Canada's Financial Post reports that, as the result of a recent class action settlement with Visa Canada Corporation and MasterCard International Inc., a fee ranging from 1.4% to 2.4% of every sale may soon be passed on to consumers. Previously, credit card giants refused to let merchants pass fees on. So for the most part, consumers aren't aware of the added fee. And many don't know that card companies charge merchants for each card transaction made. When consumers have to pay, there may be backlash. Incidentally, merchants in Quebec won't have the option to pass the charges on. Why? Provincial consumer protection laws prohibit the practice in Quebec. Shares of big tech stocks fall after Alphabet reports slowdown. A sharper-than-expected slowdown to Google parent Alphabet's core search ads business caused shares of big tech stocks to fall. Alphabet's shares fell more than 8%, sparking a 4% drop in Meta and Amazon shares. The publication Insider Intelligence said that the late October fall of shares did not bode well for digital advertising overall, adding that there were tough times as market conditions continued to deteriorate. The slowdown is the result of a challenging economic environment and bleak consumer expectations. The best course of action for those of us in the digital commerce space? Focus on a clear set of product and business priorities that support both the company and the consumer it serves. The pandemic is now endemic and inflation is top of mind. McKinsey calls it the great uncertainty. That describes the time we live in now, where savings are high, Consumer confidence is low, and inflation is stressing us all. The cost of living is at its highest rate in four decades, and it's casting a shadow on Americans' moods. 30% of respondents to the global management firm's recent study 
report feeling pessimistic. That's twice as many as felt that way during the pandemic. The University of Michigan, which has tracked consumer sentiment since 1952, also reports increased worry due to inflation. How are consumers responding? 44% are dipping into savings or putting less money aside. 18% are charging more to credit cards. 8% aren't paying their bills in full. 13% are taking on more work for extra income. To best serve consumers, digital commerce leaders need to sharpen their focus on resiliency and cost. 20% of affluent Gen Zers are Hispanic. One in five Hispanic Gen Zers are part of the U.S. affluent population with a household income of $125,000 or more. If you have trouble remembering which group is which, Gen Zers are those born between 1997 and 2012. While 20% of Gen Z affluents are Hispanic, the percentage of affluent Hispanics across all age groups is just 11%. This data comes from marketing charts, which reported data about wealth in the Hispanic community to help brands better understand their markets. Hispanic affluents tend to be bigger spenders than other racial or ethnic groups, so the growth of the segment among young Hispanics is important for retailers to keep track of. Join us on December 6th in Washington, D.C. for our DCA Summit, Harnessing the Disruption, Succeeding at Digital Commerce in a Recession Economy. Come join other executives from leading financial, retail, and technology firms to assess the path to success in the face of economic challenges and disruptive new technologies. Head over to our website at digcomall.org to reserve your spot today. Silvio, we are excited to have you on the podcast and also to have you keynoting at the December 6th Summit in Washington, D.C., and just glad that you could join us today to give us a little appetizer before the steak dinner that is in store for us, if you will, metaphorically, on December 6th. And so just to kind of preface this, you know, Vantage Score has real-time access to about as rich a data set as anyone in the world reflecting consumer behavior. You can't possibly tell us in advance what you will say on December 6th because that'll depend on how the data is looking on, I don't know, the evening of the 5th. I suppose. But as we sit here in early November, I'd just love to get your read on sort of credit, consumers, economic pressure, inflation, rising interest rates. And so I, I will just dive in with sort of the first question here and, and then would love to get your thoughts. And it's, I think, maybe the most obvious one, which is how are consumers handling the impact of inflation? And then what is Vantage Score doing to help its stakeholders track consumer credit risk? Thanks for having me on the show, Dan. It's always a pleasure to be in conversation with you and to have the opportunity to speak to the listeners of the Commerce Code podcast. To answer your question, the reality is consumers are still doing quite well. If you look at the average Vantage score, the average consumer is around a 697. Now, that is good news. There are some concerns on the horizon for sure. One of the biggest ones is one that you mentioned just now, inflation, because basically, even though many people have jobs, the employment rate is very high. The reality is wages 
have not kept pace with inflation. And what's interesting is what consumers are doing to fill that gap between inflation and wage gains is they're using credit. They're using their credit cards. They're using buy now, pay later loans. For now, consumers are doing it and banks are allowing them to do it, but you can't do that forever. So at some point there has to be a slowdown. So that's certainly a cause for concern on the horizon, but we're not seeing that being a cause for concern right now. And especially during the holiday spending season, The other thing that's really interesting is during the pandemic, because there were so many stimulus programs from the government, and then there was also a forbearance on many types of loans. So for a while there, consumers weren't required to pay their rent. Consumers weren't dinged on their credit reports if they skipped mortgage payments. And of course, the one that people have been talking a lot about lately is student loans. People haven't had to pay back their federal student loans for the last two years. It's going to resume in January. But because of all those things, you know, there's a lot less cash going out the door and consumers use that extra cash to pay down their debt. Savings were accumulated. That savings cushion has been depleted now. And so consumers have less of a cash balance. And so again, that's a cause for concern going into the new year and the holiday spending season that we're entering now. I know an area where VantageScore has particular insights and and sort of better uh, visibility is into underserved communities, underbanked, uh, et cetera. And I'm wondering, as you make the comments about kind of our transition from some pandemic context to, to a new context, is there a risk or are there some segments that you're particularly concerned about that are going to be disproportionately impacted by changes we're seeing right now? Well, for sure. The segment that's really having the toughest time are young consumers and low-income consumers. And there's actually a correlation between the two. What we're seeing in the credit trends is people that are younger, millennial, not so much, but definitely Generation Y, Generation Z, that demographic of being younger and lower income is already starting to see some stress and higher delinquency rates than the rest of the population. The question is, is that a canary in the coal mine effect, basically? Is is that going to spread to other segments of society? So far, we haven't seen it spread. So for example, if you look at high income consumers, they are holding steady. Their delinquencies are very low. And in fact, substantially below historical norms. So we aren't seeing that happen yet, but we definitely are seeing an increase in those delinquencies for the lower income and younger consumers. And so that's a cause for concern. We'll continue to watch that and see if in fact it does spread, but those segments are feeling the pressure already now. In certain segments, the increase has been steady in terms of the delinquency, but they're still really just about pre-pandemic levels. They haven't spiked substantially above that. So it's something we're watching. It's not a cause for major concern yet. With the younger consumers, I think you're right about the student loan factor in there, too. And there's obviously a lot of moving parts there and, and things to consider. But certainly there's going to be a subset of those younger consumers who, you know, come the student loan payments January, February are going to have a whole nother issue. Yeah, I think that's definitely in the category of a shoe that is about to drop, right? Because if you just think about it from a human behavior perspective, if you haven't had to pay a bill for the last two years, and for approximately 20% of Americans that have a federal student loan, that has been the case for the last two years, they haven't made a payment. So you kind of like forget to put that in the personal budget, right? And then starting January, you've got a new line item, which is the repayment of that loan. And so that's going to cause an additional 
additional level of stress for younger, lower income consumers who a significant portion of them have have student loans. Now, offsetting that, of course, as a positive is some of the uh, moves that the current presidential administration have made. They have a new program called Fresh Start, where consumers that have gone into default status on their federal student loans, they're going to get a chance to rehabilitate those loans. Those loans are going to be converted from default status to current. And as long as that consumer keeps current, that's going to help them. Another key thing is federal student loans that are held by the federal government, they're going to be forgiven for consumers and borrowers that meet certain income threshold limits. And depending on the type of federal student loan, the forgiveness could be as high as $20,000 all the way down to $10,000. And so that's like a big, big help. But offsetting that obviously is if your loan's aren't completely forgiven, you're going to have to resume payments. And for many people, they haven't budgeted for that. So that's going to be a a significant stress and another shoe to drop. But I I think the impact is going to be somewhat muted in part because you look at the employment rates, they're still very high. And so people have jobs and they're going to be able to pay that. The final thing, though, that I think is also a cause for concern is if you think about an environment, which I've just described, where consumers are adding debt to their personal balance sheet, when you have interest rates rise, the cost to service that debt increases, right? So that's going to be definitely a negative in addition to the additional student loans coming into the new year. So the net of it is consumers are healthy now, but you can definitely see some things on the horizon and shoes that might drop in the new year, which will make it more challenging for the consumer. And we're watching those very, very closely. Let's shift to a slightly different kind of debt, which is BNPL, buy now, pay later, hasn't really been tested by an economic downturn as a model. And so I'm wondering um, maybe how, how retailers and others can kind of monitor or manage the risk of those kinds of newer lending techniques and technologies. Well, yeah, I I think that's a really important question, right? Because buy now, pay later has been growing dramatically. Interestingly, it is in vogue most among younger consumers and lower income consumers that are using it basically as the modern version of installment payments or layaways, which had been around for a really, really long time. It's grown very rapidly. And the concern is that maybe some of those short-term loans, typically three to four months, some of those loans are going to start to go sour because there wasn't the requisite level of rigor applied to making those short-term loans. I think the jury's out on that, but I think what many merchants and many buy now, pay later platforms are doing is they're starting to invest more in the most advanced credit scoring models and most advanced credit analytics techniques. So Vantage score is broadly used by buy now, pay later companies, but that's actually a relatively recent phenomenon. A lot of the adoption of our credit scoring models, which of course predict the risk of a consumer not repaying, a lot of that adoption by the buy now, pay later industry has been relatively recent. We're really pleased to see that and we see it actually accelerating in terms of market adoption. And that's going to help those lenders really manage that risk much, much more effectively. So I don't think there is much to worry about now. I don't think there's an impending implosion as some have theorized. We don't see that as we look at our credit models. The thing that lenders should be doing though is implementing state-of-the-art predictive models like Vantage Score 4.0 
And we at VantageScore are also investing significantly in updating our models and bringing new models to market that incorporate new data sets, by the way, including data from buy now, pay later loans. And so you should see that by the end of next year, you'll have new VantageScore credit scoring models that actually incorporate data from buy now, pay later so that every lender will benefit from that insight. So Silvio, I, I want to close this out with an opportunity for you to prognosticate a little bit. And I'll say that I think there's a maxim in economics that it's reasonable to predict what will happen, but only a fool would say when it would happen. So in 2023, what do you think is the big risk to the economy? I think the biggest risk is actually volatility. If you look at the last economic cycle, and the economic cycles typically last about 10 or so years, we've had an unprecedented period of growth and prosperity. Now, you know, I'm a big car racing fan. I love driving cars. I love driving fast cars. And what you learn is if you are driving a car that goes really fast, you practice accelerating and decelerating. But obviously, if you decelerate and apply the breaks too quickly, that's very, very painful. And of course, the fastest deceleration is actually when you crash and come to a sudden stop. And of course, that can kill you. And so volatility in the economy is like that. There's going to be changes that happen in the economy that are very, very, very rapid. And if you're a merchant, if you're a bank, if you are a tech company, you have to be able to manage through that volatility and not have that volatility happen so quickly that it crashes you and destroys your business model. That is the biggest risk that we're seeing coming into 2023, that there are going to be things that happen in the economy so rapidly that they cause some of our business models to crash. The best way to avoid having that happen for your business is just like when you're in a car, you got good data, you got a nav system, you've got an accelerometer, you've got the tachometer. So you're bringing in good data that enables you to navigate that. And so that's one of the areas that we've invested a lot in Advantage Score is creating really good data, really good analytics with which you can guide your business. And one thing is very sure among almost all market forecasters, 2023 is going to be a year of significant volatility. Don't crash, get the good data. Last thing before we jump. I can't leave without mentioning, uh, as you know, one of my multiple personalities is sort of inside the beltway, regulatory nerd. Vantage Score had, I think, a pretty important announcement came out from the, uh, well, I'll let you describe it, from an important to you and to the country federal agency. Would love to uh, get your two cents on what happened and what that actually kind of means for the typical person. Well, it's a big deal. So the FHFA, which is the main regulator for Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, announced that for all conforming mortgages, so any mortgages guaranteed or packaged and acquired by Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, for any of those conforming mortgages, they would, going forward, require both a Vantage score and a FICO score. And the reason why that is so important is 80% of the mortgages in the United States are conforming mortgages backed by Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. And The problem historically was you could only have one score for those mortgages, which was a FICO score, a FICO classic score. And we applied under a program that was established by the FHFA to be a new score used for that. And the impact of that is that as many as 37 million more Americans are scored by Vantage Score and about on the order of 10 to 11 million of those consumers are going to be prime or near prime. And so if you think about owning a home, that is 
is the way that most Americans build wealth. And this decision opens up access to homeownership for a huge new segment of our population who are in fact very creditworthy, but were shut out of homeownership before. That's fantastic news. And we could go on about that, but I'll, I'll wrap it there, Silvio. Congratulations on that. And again, just looking forward to having you uh, there with us on December 6th at the uh, DCA Summit. And we thank you for your time and your thoughts today. Thank you, Dan. I really appreciate being on the show and I'm looking forward to seeing you in DC. Thanks for having me on. Commerce Code is a weekly podcast bringing you conversations with executives who are leading the way in digital commerce. If you like Commerce Code, your company should join the Digital Commerce Alliance and become part of our mission of advancing trade for good through standard setting, industry networking, conferences, and best practices. Check out our website at www.digcomall.org. On behalf of DCA, have a great week.